Tools for Living, Room to Grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to the Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 46. Well, whenever I hear that Holly Girth has a new book coming out, well, I can't wait to talk to her because I don't know about you guys, but her writing always touches me in such a profound way. In our loud, look-at-me world, Holly's a calm voice that really cuts through the noise and helps me to look at life differently. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about her new book, The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You. Are you an introvert? Do you prefer less stimulating environments and get recharged by spending time alone? Or are you more of an extrovert? someone who loves stimulating environments and gets recharged by being around lots of people. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, I can promise you this. You're going to be blessed by my conversation with Holly. Uh, It's always my greatest joy to talk with Holly Girth. She is just not only an amazing author, she's an amazing person. Welcome to the living room, Holly. Thank you for having me, Joanna. I was so excited to get your book and and the inquiry to have you on the podcast. And I'm like, yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Anything by Holly, anytime. This is just a beautiful book. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because it's it's unique. It's different than a lot of things we see out there, but I think it's so powerful. Yes, it's the powerful purpose of introverts. So. There you go. Yes, so it is. It's about the other side of the story for introverts that we don't hear as often. I learned I was an introvert in college. I remember exactly where I was sitting on this gray carpet in a campus ministry meeting, and I'd never heard that word before. And it was like a light bulb coming on. But for a long time, I mostly thought of being an introvert. It was what it wasn't. Like, I didn't love small talk. I didn't always want to be in crowds. But I didn't know the other side of the story, that we are introverts and extroverts, not because of how much we like people, but because of how our brains and nervous systems are wired, and that there are specific God-given strengths that come with being an introvert that I think our world needs more than ever before. Mm, I I totally agree. And I say that as a prop, probably more of an extrovert than an introvert. <laughs> uh, we have so much noise right now. So much noise. What do you think introverts bring to the table? I think that we bring our quietness, which we all need sometimes, our capacity for solitude. I think a lot of introverts have deep empathy. We're very observant of what's going on around us, whether that's with people or projects. I think that we have a style of leadership that more often looks like leading from behind. So championing a person or a cause, you'll often find introverts doing that, even if they're not in roles that are quite as visible sometimes. So I think that there are just a lot of things that we bring that this world needs. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes though, we sort of, think of stereotypes when we think of introvert and extrovert and that we miss a lot because I think stereotypically, you know, we think, well, an introvert is just kind of in the quiet. They're not really out there. And yet your book makes it clear. So many very successful leaders 
are and were introverts. What do you think? Can you kind of describe what that is? Because here you are. Yes, you're an introvert, but God, you've been willing to step into things for the Lord that are really remarkable. I think that often when we think of introverts or, and even extroverts, we tend to have stereotypes that we place on them. And yet one of the things I loved about your book is you explored um, not only the characteristics, but you even gave us examples of extroverts that are extraordinary leaders. Um, Can you talk about that? I mean, I look at your own life and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're quiet, but I don't think of you as an introvert because man, you're out there and you're taking chances and you're doing things. But that's that stereotype isn't necessarily accurate, is it? No, it's not accurate at all, actually. And half the population is made up of introverts. That's what the Myers-Briggs Foundation study found when they did it for like several decades. And so one out of every two people around you is likely to be an introvert. And so those stereotypes make it seem like there are more extroverts, but that's actually not accurate. And some well-known people who are introverts are Oprah, Joanna Gaines, Jerry Seinfeld, Abraham Lincoln, Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps. There are a lot of people that are great at what they do. And introverts can step up and be passionate about, again, a cause or a team or a project. And often when they're doing that, they look like what we think of as stereotypical extroverts. And so a lot of people will either not realize they are an introvert or will get mistaken for an extrovert because in specific roles or situations, then they can use all of those other sides of who they are. So that's something I often see. And in my life, it looks like that. You know, I can be on this podcast and talk for an hour and it's exciting and engaging. And then maybe later, I need some quiet just to recalibrate. Yeah. Okay. So for those of us listening, over half of us or (laughs) those listening are introverts, how do we know? How can we tell whether we're an introvert or an extrovert? Well, I have a little one minute quiz on my site you can take. It's called there What you Percent go. Introvert Are You? Because none of us are 100% introvert or extrovert. We're all on a continuum. And so that's helpful to think about too. It's just kind of like being right or left handed, where we use both hands all day in many different ways. But there's one that's naturally stronger that we rely on more, particularly in certain situations. And so if someone is listening and they're wondering, am I an introvert? Then Some signs of that is that you prefer to work in quieter, more independent environments. You are observant and you often notice things others miss. You have a capacity for solitude and a need for it. That after you're with people, no matter how much you love what you're doing or who you're with, you need some time to process. And that's another part that you you tend to take time before making decisions or responding. That's another common introvert trait. And so those are a few things, but it's not what we would think of like How much do you like small talk or parties? It's really about how we engage with our external environment. Hmm, That's really interesting. So you're saying that even the brain wiring is a little different in an introvert versus an extrovert. What does that look like? Yeah, so we differ in three primary ways. Our neurotransmitter that we feel the best with, that's like a chemical messenger in our brain. 
And so extroverts feel best with a neurotransmitter called dopamine, which works kind of like caffeine. It revs us up and prepares us for action. So introverts have that neurotransmitter too, but we kind of have a level that already feels good to us. And so we don't need to go out and get more from our environment like extroverts do. And instead, if we're in a situation like a loud rock concert, that's a lot of dopamine being released, it can feel like we've had an entire pot of coffee where maybe it's exciting at first, but eventually it's exhausting and we want to pull back a little bit. So introverts feel better with a different neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, which you can think of is kind of like herbal tea. It's released when we do activities like turning inward or having a meaningful conversation, focusing deeply on a project we're passionate about. That's what's going to make us feel our best. And then we engage with the different divisions of our nervous system kind of in similar ways. There's a sympathetic and a parasympathetic. One revs us up, one calms us down. And so introverts are naturally drawn to that calm down side. And then we even use a different primary brain pathway for processing. So extroverts rely more on a brain pathway that's shorter, faster, more focused on the here and now. Introverts rely more on one that's longer, more complex, and takes into account the past, present, or future. And so if you are an introvert or you have one in your life and you notice that introverts need a little bit of time before we respond, that brain pathway is likely part of the reason why we literally just need a little more time to process. But then when we do contribute to conversations, often it's really thought out, it's intentional, it has some depth, we add things to the conversations we're in. But that's just part of how we're wired. And so to me, those are complementary, like, especially thinking of a work meeting, you know, someone's like, all right, we got to do this thing, more likely an extrovert. And then someone says, all right, let's think about what actually has to happen for us to move forward. That's an introvert bringing reflection. Then the extrovert says, it's time to make a decision. We're going to take action. And then introvert says, all right, what do we need to do to follow up and see this succeed long term? And so obviously all of us can do all of those things. We have both neurotransmitters. We have both sides of our nervous system. We have both brain pathways. Again, we just tend to prefer one over the other. And we tend to have some natural strengths that come with that. Yeah. So I've also heard, I don't know if this goes along with it or is accurate from your research, but that um, an extrovert is typically, stereotypically probably, charged by being around people, where an introvert is charged by being alone and actually exhausted by being with people. Is that accurate? It's accurate to the extent that people are highly stimulating and release a lot of dopamine. So if you're an extrovert looking for more dopamine, people are a really great source of it. But an introvert loves people just as much, is just as social. They're probably going to want to do it more in settings like having coffee with one friend and having a long conversation about things that feel meaningful to them. And so that's just as much a connection, but it's in a way where it's not so dopamine driven. It's more acetylcholine driven, kind of that calmer, a little bit slower paced, you know, kind of connection. And so introverts and extroverts love people equally. They love to socialize equally. They just like to do it in different ways. 
And introverts do need that solitude probably more because our nervous systems work kind of like nuts with small holes, which means we catch everything going on around us, but our nets get fuller faster. And so after we've taken in things for a while, we need some time to process, which is just kind of emptying out our net, you know, thinking through things, having some quieter time, kind of recalibrating that nervous system. And then we're ready for more again. Yeah. Well, I've always, you know, always considered myself an um, extrovert because I'm loud and I think fast and that's not always good (laughs) (laughs) and talk fast. But um, it's interesting. And I was just thinking about it as I was reading your book, you know, I've kind of thought maybe it's the life of a writer that requires a lot of solitude. But I can remember even as a teenager, my parents would be out of town and I would just love being alone. And I I really do enjoy that part of writing, that alone time, that thinking time. And so I, I have wondered if if I'm an omnivert or an ambivert, but (laughs) you, you say you don't think that there's really that, that, that really doesn't exist, that we're usually one or another. Yeah, I do because of that continuum and because studies have followed people from being little babies exhibiting some of these traits all the way into adulthood and we stay pretty consistent throughout a lifetime. And because it does have to do with how we're actually wired, I think we are one or the other, but we can all access traits from the other type and we over a lifetime move on that continuum. I just don't think we cross that middle line. But research shows we all become more introverted as we age. Yeah. Or in certain seasons, we might look more like, you know, the opposite type, depending on a role we have. And, you know, one of my biggest concerns with writing this book was that people would feel like it's an all or nothing. Like you were saying, I'm an extrovert, but I love solitude. And I'm like, absolutely. That totally makes sense. And so it's not about saying we're all the one or all the other. It's just understanding some tendencies that tend to pair more often with one or the other so that we can access those strengths and deal with some struggles that can come with that too. So usually when people say they're ambiverts, I find they're probably an introvert who doesn't fully understand what it means. Ah, Interesting. Because most often I hear things like, well, but I really like people. (laughs) Yes, introverts love people just as much. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that has been a stereotype from the past Mm -hmm. is that an introvert just really is almost antisocial. And I would agree the, the wonderful introverts that I know aren't like that. But one of the things I've loved about the book is that you really, you just give us a lot of handholds, like just some little exercises to walk through to discover not only introvert or extrovert, but also even personality types and different things. Why do you think it's important that we understand ourselves? Or is it also important to understand each other? Well, I think self-awareness is important that we can approach life through three different perspectives. We can approach life being self-critical, where we're really hard on ourselves and look at our faults. We can approach it from a position of self-focus, where we think the world revolves around us and leans more toward pride instead of insecurity. Or we can approach life through the lens of self-awareness which is, I think, what the psalmist was expressing in Psalm 139, 14, when he said, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. 
And so it's understanding who God made us that leads to praise, not to pride, and also protects us from that insecurity. And so I do give some tools in the book, you know, the Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, five love languages, except you also need to know what volume to speak them in. And I think that we need to understand our uniqueness and doing so also empowers us to appreciate the uniqueness of others. The most self-aware people I know are the least selfish because they don't look at others and say, you need to be more like me. They can see and honor you are different than me. And that's intentional on God's part. So help me be who I'm created to be. And I will help you be who you're created to be. And then we end up being better together. Mm, That's so good. That is so good. What is your heart? What do you really hope people will take away from the book? I hope for introverts, they will find a new level of freedom in just being who God made them, that if they have battled self-doubt or questioned themselves because of being introverts, that they will trade all that and instead say, I understand my strengths, I feel equipped to overcome my struggles, and I'm going to fully offer the gifts within me to the world. And for extroverts, my hope is the same. You know, I wrote about introverts because I am one, but my heart for extroverts is the same. I don't want them to change. I want them to maximize who they are too, because I love the extroverts in my life. And so I think for all of us just saying, okay, who has God made me? What are the strengths that come with that? And how can I use those? And I hope for relationships where introverts and extroverts are paired up, that there will be a new level of understanding on both sides, that this will lead to conversations that help introverts understand extroverts and extroverts understand introverts, because I do think that God has made us a complementary pairing. Yeah. I I sort of have a feeling that probably I... I am an extrovert married to an introvert (laughs) because (laughs) one of the things that I really had to learn early was um, I needed to give John time. You know, I'm, I tend to be a, a fast decider and he needs the information. And so learning to honor each other, because otherwise if we don't, we really resent each other. We, and we can't understand why the other person doesn't, process life like us. But as I will just like present the, present the information and then step away and give him time, he makes wonderful decisions. And, and he's had to learn the same thing for me. Like he just knows that there are some things that, um, the way I'm wired, uh, he, I'll, I'll want a quick answer and he'll have to say, you know, let me think about that. Um, or and so it's just, I think it's that honoring one another that has really helped to understand, John. What can we do as, as non-introverts? Um, although, as you pointed out, I, and I'm really thinking about this, maybe I am an introvert. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what can we do as those who are less introverted? Um, how can we be a blessing to those people we live with, the people we work with, even perhaps the children we raise? Yeah, I think a powerful question for introverts and extroverts to ask each other is, how can I love you well right now? Mm. You know, because we naturally tend to love others the way we want to be loved. Mm. 
Yeah. And so we can be doing our best to love someone or they can be doing their best to love us and we can just miss it, you know? Um, and so even, you know, I talked about the five love languages. Well, I'm a words of affirmation introvert, but my daughter is a words of affirmation extrovert. So if I'm going to tell her, great job, she would be happy for me to do that in front of a room full of people. You know, that would feel good to her. (laughs) And that's great. Uh, For me, I would rather her write me a note and slip it to me and let me read it privately. You know, and so even that, you know, knowing how to speak each other's love languages and the volume where we can receive them. And so I think, too, just not making assumptions, like erring on the side of grace with how we interpret each other's actions. So like you said, your husband needs time to process, and most introverts do. And I think for extroverts, that can feel like we're holding back, which can feel like somehow a little bit of rejection, but it's actually the opposite. If an introvert is taking time to respond, it means that what you are sharing with them or who you are in their life are worth their full engagement. Like it's honoring. They're not holding back. They're honoring you by saying, I'm going to put all of who I am behind this. I'm going to pay attention to it. I'm going to think through it. I'm going to be intentional about it. And so even that, you know, just knowing that that is actually an act of love. Um, for an introvert. It's a way of honoring the people in our lives. Yeah. What about those um, situations where you're perhaps have a leadership team and you've got those really big personalities um, and you're in, you're on the team, you, but you're an introvert. And so with, with just maybe even personality type being a quieter personality or um, a slower processor, what would you say? How, because I think even those of us who are maybe those big personalities, how do we make room for those people to really pull out the treasure that is within them? I think one thing is either finding a role to fill if you're an introvert or assigning a role if you're an extrovert leading an introvert. Introverts do really well with structure. We are good at filling roles. And so don't have us make small talk in the church lobby. That's not going to be fun. But you want us to make the coffee and then be kind to everyone we serve it to? Absolutely. And so I think that's one shortcut. And then also just recognizing that there are different styles of leadership, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, that some people are designed to lead out front and to be highly visible. Some people are designed to lead from behind and quietly champion people or causes or projects. And so even asking, what kind of leader am I? I'm a lead from behind leader. Like I would much rather get behind, you know, someone or something than be out front. And even this book, talking about it has felt easier because I feel like I'm leading from behind on behalf of introverts. I'm championing them. Or ask yourself, am I an out front leader? And if you are, great, do that. We need both kinds. But just asking that about yourself and asking that about people on your team so that they can be positioned in ways that maximize their strengths and enable them to offer what they have to give. I really think, I think that we're living in a wonderful era of tools to understand one another better. 
you know, uh, because so often we've just labeled each other or we've dismissed each other. If you're not wired like me, then I can't really relate to you. And I love all of the different personality tests that you mentioned in the book and the Enneagram and, and even just this, just this simple introvert versus extrovert understanding that there's a different life approach. There's a different processing approach. I think it gives us the ability to go, Oh, okay. I can make room for that rather than being resistant to a different way of doing things. We can actually make room for one another. What do you think introverts can do to help extroverts in these situations? I think that we can provide a calming presence, especially right now. I had a friend in college who was an extrovert and I loved her. But she would hang out with me because when she was stressed because she said, just being around you slows mm -hmm. me down and makes me feel more peaceful. And so we as introverts can think, I have to rev myself up. I have to try to match the energy of all the extroverts around me. But perhaps our different kind of presence is actually what's needed a lot of the time. That it's just like I love the extroverts. When I need to feel better, sometimes I'm like, I need an extrovert <laughs> to <laughs> energize me and help me have a little adventure, some fun. But a story I share in the book that I love is about the country Finland, which is one of the most introverted countries in the world. And so 10 years ago, 100 marketing experts got together and said, we want to make Finland a world famous tourist destination. So you would think they would say, all right, let's turn up the volume. Let's add more action and excitement. We got to be the next Las Vegas. But instead, they said in their report, silence is a resource. And they mm -hmm. leaned into that instead. And tapped into all those aspects of their culture. And the result, tourism thrived, <laughs> citizens rejoiced. Finland was just named the happiest country in the world oh, again. Wow. <laughs> so I just love that, you know, because I think it's, it's a different kind of approach than maybe we would think of having, but just saying, all right, if I'm an introvert, how can I be Finland for the people in my life? Oh, I love that. That, I am a place I can go to when they need a little bit of quiet and peace or to be deeply listened to or whatever it is that I can bring something important. Because I think for all of us, we offer the world the most, not when we conform, but when we contribute our unique strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So have you always been at peace with the fact you're an introvert or has that been a journey for you as well? It has been a real journey, especially when I first started publishing books and getting lots of speaking invitations. I looked around and I saw a certain version of what I thought I needed to be, which was more extroverted. And I told myself, okay, I just have to, I have to do it this way. There's only one way. And so I, for years, just wore myself out. And at the end of my busiest year, I went to this conference and gave the keynote and Sunday morning in worship, I couldn't stop crying. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God said, Holly, it's time to go home. And I knew he meant, yes, get on the plane and go home and take a long nap. <laughs> but I sensed he was also saying, it's time to go home to who I created you to be. Mm -hmm. 
And I realized that all of us are perfectly designed for God's purpose for our lives, not for anyone else's, but for ours. We have everything we need for what he's asking us to do. And so I had to do a lot of healing work. I went to counseling, got some supportive people in my life, even changed my daily habits around exercise and sleep and all those things and reevaluated and said, what have I taken on that God never asked me to? That's just a, a should that I'm carrying around. And then for those things that he is asking me to do that require coming out of my comfort zone, how can I be more strategic about that? You know, if I speak at a conference today, I know don't schedule anything the day before I leave or the day I get back. Right. I mean, things as simple as that, or take someone with me that can help me manage my energy. So that was a huge turning point for me. And that was about five years ago. And that's probably really when I started working on this book too, because I talk to other introverts all the time who feel the same way, who with the best of intentions are just very tired and keep wondering, why am I trying harder and harder and still feel like it's not enough? Yeah. So to that woman who you just described her life, (laughs) what would the first step be? I think the first step is just pausing and saying, what lies have I believed about who I am, especially as an introvert or extrovert? Because I think we have lies that are specifically attached to that, like you're too quiet or you're too loud. And then what is the truth that God says instead? Who does he say I am? And then looking at things that we might see as weaknesses and figuring out how our strengths are actually tied to them. Like that sensitive introvert nervous system that I talked about, if you picture that in the middle of a continuum, on the left side, it could be labeled struggle because it could look like anxiety, which introverts are more likely to deal with. I deal with it. And then on the right side, it would be labeled strength. And over there would say empathy or being observant, perceptiveness. And so instead of saying, I need to change who I am by getting rid of this part of me, I've started to ask, how can I move one step at a time away from that struggle in and toward the strength end? And so I think that's how growth actually happens. It's not by elimination. It's by transformation. Mm. And so saying, okay, if this is a part of me, I think I need to change. What's the hidden strength in there? And how can I just really lean into that? Yeah, I, that's such good advice. Now for the uh, the other introverts out there who just, to be honest, they've been just too afraid to even try anything. And so their their problem isn't pulling back. It's actually being willing to maybe say, God could possibly want to use me. Where can they begin to get in touch with that and step through the fear? Yeah, I think that finding one person to start with that you can connect with and who will do that journey with you. Sometimes that person is a counselor. You know, if it's Mm -hmm. fear that is paralyzing, it's probably not introversion. It's probably anxiety. 
And there's no shame in that. Like I said, ever since I was a little kid, I've struggled with anxiety. It's just part of who I am. I'm in remission more than ever now, but who knows, you know, next year, you know, you and I talked before we started this podcast and I'm in a stressful day and I'm fighting it like crazy. So, you know, but just saying, okay, maybe there is something underlying that isn't related to my introversion. And so just seeking out the help that we need, whether that's a counselor or a doctor or saying to one friend, you know what, I have a dream or a desire or just a way I want to grow, a way I want to connect with people. And it feels hard and scary right now, but this week I'm going to take one small step Mm. and bonus points if you do it in five minutes or less. (laughs) If it's just doing some research on the internet, sending a text, you know, doing that one small thing, filling out that application you've been delaying, whatever it is. Because I think we also talk ourselves into spaces where it feels like the only way anything can change is if it's big and it all happens at once. But change most often happens in really small ways. And I think especially in our environment right now with COVID and everything else going on, we all need to be extra gentle with ourselves. And acknowledge that any forward motion or progress we are making is a big deal. And if we do that a little bit every day over time, and especially over a lifetime, it adds up to a lot. Yes, yes. I can't remember the author, but I heard a podcast with this guy who wrote, who talked about being 1% better. Yes. And I love that. I'm like, I I could do 1%. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You know, I think the thing that that trips up, us all up, no matter what personality type we are or end of the spectrum, is that somehow there's something wrong with us. That if we're an extrovert, we're just too much. We should really pull back. If we're an introvert, we're not enough. We should really push forward. And, and really coming to that place that you talk about of just like, oh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am exactly how God wants me to be. Yes, there's room to grow. Yes, there's room. There's pruning that may be done, need to be done. There may be some growing, but but to accept ourselves, I, I think that that's the thing I love about this book is it really is going to help, especially introverts, to to value the way God has made them rather than devalue. And I think it's a message for extroverts as well that you know what it's okay. I am the way I, God has made me to be. Maybe the better question is, how have you come to fully accept? Or are you, I'm sure you're still on the process of that, but how do we fully accept that we are exactly what God had in mind? Yeah, I think it's, we're still in progress. I have come a long way and helping in writing this book really helped because the aha moments I had were powerful. And I, I'm so glad I get to pass those on. But there are still days I'm launching a book, I'm an introvert needing to act, you know, publicly for a while. And every day I have to go back and say, what's true, or ask someone in my life, you know, I literally send texts that say, I can't remember what's true today, tell me again. <laughs> You know, and so I think that the goal isn't perfection in this, it's progress. And I love that we serve a God who says he will complete the good work that he started in us. And I think 
what we're talking about is part of that good work. And so we get to partner with him in it, but it's not on our shoulders. And we can trust that one day we will go home. And in that moment, we will finally fully be everything he intended us. And in Mm. the meantime, there's grace that he delights in us along the way. I have, you know, a crazy family story where our daughter came into our life when she was 20. She now has two little kiddos because it's seven years later. And my little granddaughter, Eula, loves to sit on my lap and watch goat videos. That's what she's really into right now. So that is weird. (laughs) And I love it. You know, like she is the only person in the whole world who wants to do that with me. And I think when we are our quirky, weird selves, that God has that same sense of delight. You know, like when we watch the birds, like it's that delight. They're just being who they're made to be. You know, Eula's not old enough yet to try to be someone she's not. And there's something about that that brings me so much joy. And I think it's the same with us, you know, that we're always trying to become a better version of ourselves. And that's part of growth. But at the same time, I think God loves the version that exists today, just as much as the one that will exist 20 years from now, or when we get to eternity. That's such good news. Somebody really needs to hear that right now. I know I just did. We are exactly what God wants us to be right now. I love that. You know, I was uh, also thinking, really, this is the heart of all your books, I think, is this message of God's amazing love and his incredible grace. And so I hope you guys will check out all of Holly's books because God's used your books in my life in some real key pivotal moments, Holly. Um, You are a deep well, my friend. You are a deep well. So thank you for not letting intimidation or comparison or or even the anxiety shut down that well, because we really need, we really need what you have to say. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And I feel the same way about you. Oh, thank you, my friend. Well, as we close, would you just pray for all of us Yes, <laughs> that are just mm-hmm. seeking to just, you know... I, I just think of that girl who um, is the introvert and is so fearful and and feels like she's not enough. And then that extrovert girl who, if she's like me, at times thinks I am just way too much, <laughs> that we would just find that peace and the power of being who God made us to be. Would you pray for us? Sure. God, I just thank you that you are the creator and the designer and the artist of all of us. And I thank you that you knit us together and you designed us each uniquely, that there will never be another one of us again, and there never has been before. So we pray for the courage to reflect your image and to rest in the work that you have already done in us and that you will continue to do until we go home. And I think of how your word says, perfect love, cast out fear. Yes. And that word perfect, I think, means more whole and complete in the original language. And so the more we fully, wholly know we're loved, the more fear no longer has room in our lives. And so I just pray for for us, for everyone listening, that your love would crowd out fear in our lives and that we would just sense a deep rest in who you've made us 
in knowing that it's not on us, that we can trust in you to accomplish your purposes for our lives. And I thank you for introverts. I thank you for extroverts. I thank you that you have made us a complimentary pairing, that we need each other, that we are better together. And I just pray that we would all just use all of who we are to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you, Holly. Hey, you guys, be sure to check the show notes and check out all of Holly's good stuff and pick up the book, The Power of Introverts. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. So did you discover anything new about yourself? You can take the one minute quiz Holly talked about by going to the show notes over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 046. You'll also find links to Holly's books and, uh, and another previous conversation we had in episode 11 called Hope Your Heart Needs. In a world that's filled with so many loud voices, it's easy to think that we have to be like that to make a difference. But sometimes it's the quiet, calm voice that changes everything. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, God's placed gifts and wisdom within you. So please don't bury what you have to offer. We need you. The world needs you to be everything God's made you to be. If you have a friend that you think might enjoy this episode, you can share it on your phone by clicking on the three little dots near the play button. And if you'd like to take a moment to screenshot the episode and share it on Facebook or Instagram, if you use the hashtag living room podcast, I'd love to stop by and say, Hey, and thanks for sharing. So, and while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe, you'll automatically receive the episodes in your podcast player without having to do a single thing. Well, until next time, my friend, do me a favor and you do you, you do you don't try to be anyone else other than the incredibly special, deeply loved and much needed person God made you to be for as you do you, (laughs) well, you're going to live and you're going to love and you're going to lead like Jesus. Jesus.